thank you so much for joining another episode of the podcast, She Could, So She Did, by Nadia Policard, where we discuss dating after divorce in your 40s. So today I have a very um, talented host, or co-host, I should say, a guest, who is an established author and a lot of great things. So Dr. Shane, would you mind introducing yourself to our audience? Sure, I'd love to uh, say just all of you, thanks for joining, and yes, you can. Uh, after 40, after divorce, whatever the case may be. One thing being a marital psychologist has taught me, it's never too late to live your happily ever after. It's never too late, ladies, so uh, keep that in mind. I'm a marital psychologist. I've worked with over 3,000 couples since opening my practice in 2003, and you'll get the benefits of their successes and lessons learned. But one of the biggest lessons that I learned, a lot of marital challenges happen on the front end as opposed to the back end. We feel the pain on the back end. So a lot of people come up and they tell me, you know, I was misled, I was lied to, they were phony, yada, yada, yada. Eh, that happens. But what happens more often than not, we really want to make something happen and we have a vision for our life. And sometimes we project that fantasy onto our partner. Mm -hmm. So today's discussion is about not projecting that fantasy onto our partner and kind of seeing them for where they are. Uh, I'll use a quote, and I talked about it in my book, The Black Manual, A Single Woman's Guide to uh, Less Drama. Yes, and please wait. Before you go on, tell us where we can find your book. You can find my book on Amazon. Just type in Dr. Shane, The Black Manual, and it will come right up. Great. Okay. Okay. And one of, the, one of the things I talk about in my book and Dr. Tashiro talks about, it, it's a quote from The Science of Happily Ever After. It really is a book written. I thought it was a great title. And I talk about it in my book and it says why we only get three wishes. Mm. So I, I used to, when I first wrote my book, I used to travel to all these groups and you know, I would say, hey, what's your list? What do you want? And everybody was into the law of attraction. Uh, the secret really popularized that. And people would have these long lists. And you're just right. like, oh, that's a pretty, pretty good list. <laughs> you know, if we could find a person who happened to meet all those qualifications, let's just say we could, boy, would we be on theirs? Right. And, you know, last I met the perfect woman only to find I wasn't the perfect man, right? <laughs> so it's just how do we kind of accept the fact that what's a real good list? And in this book and in my practice, I realize we only have three wishes, so I'll go to why. So Nadia, let's say I get 100 men, I cherry pick them, and I put them in an auditorium for you. And this probably isn't your list, but I'll impose one upon you, right? Sure, you let's do it. And you say, I want someone who's six foot. I say, okay, men, everyone under six foot, get up and leave. 80% mm. of the men leave because the average height is 5'8 for a man, 5'7, really. Really? It is 5'7. So yeah. I, I know there are a lot of women, a lot of my friends, and I used to be the same way, actually. I was like, I like tall men. And then mm -hmm. I thought about it, and I was like, well, actually, it seems tall men like petite women. Um, but I never knew that. I dated my first man under six foot recently mm -hmm. and at first I was like oh I don't I normally don't date men you know um under six foot but anyways keep going mm -hmm. no and I want us to come back to that point yeah. it's, it's called the grass is not greener and I'll <laughs> talk about that in the second part of this right uh so what what happens is 
80% of the men leave. We got 20. You're like, okay, you know, it's pretty cherry-picked audience here. I, I could deal with any one of these 20 men possibly. So let's just say you're a pretty successful woman. You say, you know, I want someone that, you know, kind of is successful too. Six figures. Okay. Boy, average income is like forty something thousand dollars. So boy, eighty percent more leave. Wow. So you're like, okay, for it and all bad, you know, I, I've got a pretty, you know, good crowd here. I just need one, right? So forty per, uh, sixty percent leave, you got four, eighty percent leave, you got four men now. And you say, I want someone with a pretty engaging personality. Nadia, you're pretty dynamic. So you want someone who could hold their own, right? Yep. 80% leave. The average person's fairly boring, believe it or not. So you get what I'm saying. And that's yeah. why we have to be very, very clear what our list really means, who it eliminates, who it includes, where should we be flexible. Now, if for some reason height is just a stickler for you, fine. I had one woman whose height thing was 6'5". I don't know where. Yeah. But she had dated two men in her life. And she was with the second one, and he was a rat otherwise, but she just couldn't leave. She said, boy, walking in heels is really important to me. She was uh, six, six foot herself. Mm. And this guy was just textbook bad. I, I, I mean, he was a decent wow. guy, but it was just a bad situation. You know, okay. and so I say all of that to say we really have to look at our list and say, what does it mean now? Some traits overlap with other traits. If someone's spiritual, they're probably also kind. They're probably also other things. So it doesn't mean you can't get what you want, but you got to really decide what you want to be flexible on. I love that. I don't think a lot of women think about, well, I know for myself, about traits overlapping. Mm -hmm. So that's a very good point. So like you said, if you want somebody who is church going or spiritual, that might mean that they are kind hearted, um, empathetic, sympathetic, all those other qualities that we want. That's and probably great. a better listener too. There you go. <laughs> a lot of women say, boy, I just don't feel you get me. It doesn't mm -hmm. like you validate me. So just certain traits, they, they, they run together. Got it. Okay. So, um, so we need to be more realistic. So what are those three things that you mentioned that we need to, why the list should only have three? So well, guide us it, on that. It only has three from the standpoint of who does it eliminate? Does it eliminate okay. people that are otherwise probably good partners? Boy, I had a woman come in yesterday and it was a real conversation and she came in without him and she's the alpha female and she does really well. And she even bought her own ring, and which I had a question about, but oh. this guy was a fixer upper. Okay. And I Wait, just, what do you mean he's a fixer upper? Like that was his, his job? No. Or you mean yeah. like, there's this saying that goes, you remember back uh, in the 80s where they had the book, I'm okay, you're okay? Um, I'm not familiar with that book. What is yeah, that it was book? this whole thing about of us both being okay. So her philosophy, and I write about this in my book, is I'm okay, you're not okay, but I could fix you up. <laughs> so he <laughs> okay. fix her uppers. Oh, okay. So she likes to fix men up. She likes to fix like men up. She's a rescuer. Up. Right. But in this particular case and it was a very dynamic situation because she had actually been in an abusive relationship with someone that was hyper aggressive this guy actually had a lot of traits that she really liked and okay. she realized boy having this more aggressive testosterone filled man she just didn't feel comfortable with but it doesn't mean he was a good choice 
he wasn't a good choice. She thought he'd be a great father. She thought he'd be a great partner. He was extremely coachable. You know, oh. he didn't have the job security he had, but she'd come home and the house was clean. He would have cooked. Uh, she had some files need to be organized. They're organized. So he had these traits. So my conversation with her was, can you deal with who he is, though? You know, he's not going to ever be the person that you are in that respect. But given who you are, how, how hard you roll, how intense you are, he might be the guy that picks up the kids and your kids are well balanced. So we just had this very balanced look at what she chose in a partner. And I said, I just want us to have clear expectations so that you know what you're actually getting because you're going to have to deal with that. You're going to deal with other people's opinions on who he isn't. And we had a real balanced conversation. And she said, you know, given the other traits, I think I can. Hmm. And she actually was happy. There were some traits she had. She didn't feel none of the alpha males she dated had. And they were just really important to her. So by not having the six-figure test, you know, which were <laughs> income dwarfed, not having that test wait, really. Wait, did you say income dwarfed? Her income dwarfed six figures. She was doing very well for herself. Right, yeah. There were other things that outweighed that to her. Yeah. So it was just looking and saying, okay, ah, for her, that wasn't one of her three things. For her, one of her three things was, how do I feel with him? Mm -hmm. Does he make me feel like a woman? Do I trust him? Uh, is he coachable? So she just had a very different, different list. And I think after 40, a woman who's been married may be more open to that list. At 22 out of college, we all know our list is just kind of different. It's maybe not as realistic. Yes. Got it. So what, what are your thoughts on that? Because, um, you know, in your 40s, like you were saying, at this, at this age, most of us are at the peak or approaching the peak of our careers. Mm -hmm. um, how do you think men feel if they are in a scenario where the woman might be more successful, at least when it just comes to the dollars and the cents, than his mate? You know, I did this series years ago with Dr. Don DeLavadon called Female Breadwinners. Okay. And we dealt with it quite a bit. And what I found is that some men can handle it, some men frankly can't. Mm -hmm. but let's talk about the men who can't. There are okay. two reasons that they can't. One is they're just hopelessly insecure. The other is the things that come with that. You know, boy, I feel emasculated by you. Yes. Never imagine. So those men are, are different than the ones that are insecure. I've seen some dynamics where that becomes part of it. Now he has to look and say, ah, maybe my name shouldn't be on the on the loan for the house because I'm gonna drive the interest rates up. And that's my problem. That's not her problem. So there's no perfect answer, but you know, being emasculated is something that can come with that. And they as a couple have to really sit down and strategize around that because it's neither her fault nor his, it's a combination, and figuring out, boy, what's the best way for us to negotiate this difference? Because there's a societal difference, and female mm -hmm. breadwinners tend to be a very lonely group from the standpoint that, who do you talk to about it? You know, one of the biggest things we found doing that series was none of the women would speak up. Like, we never got one woman to volunteer or say anything. Really? We started thinking about it, and we realized, and I, and I talked to one of the females. She said, it feels like I'm offline, like I'm betraying my husband. Like I'm putting this business out here. So 
it's just negotiating it. It's yeah, just yeah. really having some conversations. And like I said with the other one, woman, making sure, boy, are there some assets here that don't appear on the balance sheet and what do they outweigh or not outweigh? Right. Got it. So can a relationship, a marriage, you know, whether they're boyfriend and girlfriend, a committed relationship, can it survive in a scenario where the woman is making more and the man is insecure? Insecure, it's difficult. Not okay. insecure or not made to feel insecure. I mean, there's some men, like I said, that are just insecure and cannot handle it. Yes. There are some women that can't handle a man not being in the breadwinner role. Got it. Just emotionally, we're not wired. I mean, that's not the role we saw. So it, it's just foreign. But it's not just, it's a national phenomenon. So in 1960, 10% of all earners were female breadwinners, top earners. Wow. In 1960, 1960, that's surprising. In 1980, that number had risen to 20%. Okay. We're currently at 40%. But in the African American household, we're at sixty percent. So sixty. Wow! Wait a minute. In the African American household, sixty percent of those households has a female breadwinner. Sixty percent. I deal with it. Wow, that's an amazing statistic. It's amazing, but it's workable. And I'll give you an example where it actually worked really well too. So it's not just us, though. It's a national phenomenon. They're dealing. Mm -hmm. In Europe, they're dealing with all over the country. So it's new to us all. So there's no manual on what to do. But I had one woman, she was dating uh, this gentleman, and they were, she was divorced. He was divorced. They were over 40. And she had done really well. She was a yeah. VP at a company. And she was dating this guy who was a handyman. Totally loved everything about him. And she says, you know, why haven't you become a contractor? Hmm. He says, no, I don't have the capital. I'm not bonded. Yada, yada, yada. He had these reasons. She says, I'll tell you what. She says, I'm just going to invest in this. You know, I want us to be married and I love you. If you took this money, we didn't get married. I could live with that, you know, but I don't think we're going to be happy with you as a handyman. And she invested and they went on to get married. He's successful and they lived there happily ever after. And I'm not saying everyone <laughs> should go out here and invest in anyone, but if you do invest, the best predictor of future success is past success. So mm. get someone with a plan that's being executed. Right. And someone with a pipe dream. Mm. But so there are ways I've seen that really the balance are equal. And there was an evil financial plan once he really got established. I mean, he's very meticulous. He had a great work ethic. And he just needed the right opportunity. And she ended up having, having it all, really. Yes. You know what? I think that's a very good point that you mentioned. I think for me personally, um, I'm looking at those sort of qualities. Like I'm okay if he, if I'm the um, breadwinner for a minute, <laughs> like I just need to see that he has the ability to, you know, maybe increase or expand his business or mm -hmm. maybe get some additional skills or training where the roles can be reversed. Because honestly, and I just talked about this in um, a previous podcast, with Grace and Marshall, um, that I would not feel comfortable if I'm the one that is going out and, you know, bringing home the bacon, so to speak. I would prefer that the, the man do that. And I just feel like that, that would allow me to, um, you know, do the more domestic qualities. You know, at this point, I'm not having any more children. 
mm-hmm. just keeping the home, you know, and taking care of my man. I want to take care of my man mm-hmm. in other ways. No, I, and I think everybody has to look at where they are on that question. And I get mm-hmm. people kind of all over the place and it's what makes you happy. You know, if that's a security, yeah. you feel good. I just challenge some of your listeners to consider all professions don't pay the same. They just don't Absolutely. You know, and I've had couples where 50% wasn't equitable. You know, when you got somebody making 500 and you got someone making, you know, $80,000, which is a lot of money. So you're talking about someone that's probably a professional. All professions just don't pay the same, especially if they're in a million dollar house. Boy, he's not paying the mortgage and he may have been unable to pay half, Mm -hmm. but he may be able to pay an equitable share of what he has. Of course. So it's just really striking that balance. But if that's who you are, you may have a need for that. You know, mm-hmm. it's just, so this is the part I told you about. The grass is always greener. Yes. So studies have found, and you mentioned taller men and more successful men. This is kind of a little disappointment, pointing perhaps. They're not as likely to work on the relationship. Studies have found that they're okay. more likely to say the grass is greener somewhere <laughs> else. So there's a trade-off that you get with that. Okay. So what do you mean by they're not, they're not interested in, or they're less likely, I should say, in working on the relationship? Studies have found that more attractive, more successful, taller men are more likely to say, why fix this? The grass is greener over there. Hmm. And I ain't even got to mow it. You, you know, so. Okay. The grass is greener. I don't have to mow it. So basically they can, they'll find a woman that's willing to maybe tolerate whatever the issues are. Precisely. And maybe not as invested in working on the, on the relationship. Okay. So it's interesting. Like when I walk to my lobby and I see a very beautiful couple, I'm like, okay, this is going to be a long hour. And people are always shocked by that. It's going to be a long hour. Okay. I, w- I want, I love, let's go. Let's hear it. Mm-hmm. People are always shocked by that observation, but I, I, I've just come to find in my experience, like I said, I work with over 3,000 couples. Marriage isn't about being catered to. You know, marriage is about catering to the other person. Yes, marriage yeah. is about catering. So taking care of the other person, putting their needs first. Yes, identifying their needs, not being as self-focused. And I find that they're just not as good at that. So you talked about traits. What's one of the traits that we should have in a partner is friendship. Yes. When I first started my practice, people would say, well, what's the it factor? And I, of course, had no clue. I thought these beautiful couples were the it factor, right? Because they looked so amazing. And in DC, I get a lot of high power couples because I have a cash practice. Mm -hmm. So that comes. And I, I thought it was, and I came to realize if you had like three or four horses in a race, who would win place or show, right? Uh, you got friendship, you got physical attraction and or, or, and or sex. Uh, financial, boy, money's good. Mm-hmm. Spirituality <laughs> or values, right? I find yes. friendship always finishes first. And the reason yes. I say that is because they find their way back to each other. You know, friends say, you know, sit down. Okay, tell me what's really the problem. Let me try and figure that need out and how I could best need, need it. So people think, but what about romantic love? And I think romantic love is great. And I think that connection is definitely a glue. But love tends to be a more fickle emotion. People fall Mm -hmm. in and out of love all the time. You know, so it tends to be more fickle. And so money. Studies have found that 
if you go from 40 to 80, money makes a big difference. If you go from 80 to 120, it makes less of a difference. If you go from 120 to 160, it's negligible difference. Yes. It becomes diminishing returns as you make more money. So that's not it. Mm. Spirituality, commitment to vows, they will definitely keep couples in there, but are they going to be happy may become an issue. So friendship finishes first, and that should be on everybody's list. Yes. This is, I am loving this conversation. I think you're really touching on a lot of the root issues in relationships, like you were saying early on, obviously, that develop um, in marriages, the issues that develop in marriages. So I, I totally agree, friendship first. So one of the things I've learned in my experience, I always share that, you know, I've been recently single for the last three years. I'm divorced now, 42 years old. And I am, when I'm dating, um, I'm looking for someone who I can be a friend with and who I can have a good time with. And I am putting less and less emphasis on things that I thought were important to me when I was 19, which is when I met my husband, my, you know, my former husband. Um, so one of the things like, I mean, my list was very similar to what you said. Again, I was 19 years old. I was looking for a good looking man, a tall man, athletic build. You know, um, at that point, I was looking for someone with the potential to be successful. So I was looking for somebody who was career driven today at the age of 42 looks are less important to me. Like, in fact, if I see a man who, you know, looks like a GQ model, a Morris chestnut, I'm running the other way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm like, where I'm, I see like, I don't know if I have PTSD or what, <laughs> but <laughs> um, when, what you described earlier about when you see a good looking couple in the, in your lobby, we were that good looking couple. Um, you know, we used to get people come up to us all the time you are a beautiful couple or you have a beautiful family. I mean, to the point where we actually were models, our entire family modeled for big brands and we had such a great time. Yeah. You know, and on, you know, on the outside, things looked great, but I really feel like one of the things that we no longer had towards the end of the marriage, we were not friends. We were not friends. Yeah, and that that's common. It, it, it's and and I and I get what you're saying, and I think it's very wise of you to recognize that and maybe prioritize that over some of the other things. I was out and I ran into a client, and she was with a group of her friends, and I said hi, da 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 da, and we we're talking. She and she said, "Can you believe he called me a seven? He called me a seven, and everybody looks at me like I'm the biggest jerk in the world." And I said, excuse me, could you tell them the context about which I said seven? And so she gets quiet and she says, well, I'll let you tell them. I said, okay. When I see tens that come into my office, it's just, like I said, there's these beautiful couples. And, and sometimes they don't have those skills of compromise, of prioritizing another person and making them feel that way. Sevens almost always do. When I get, mm. they generally have a better friendship and they chose for different reasons. You know, they chose someone that they felt very comfortable with. They usually got someone that was very good about catering to their needs, identifying them and really working to meet them and being willing to look in the mirror and say, boy, I kind of might need to change some things. I don't like what I see here. And so everybody took a sigh of relief and they're like, okay, you didn't offend her. <laughs> <laughs> got it. And she actually yeah. was in the seven. She was a very attractive woman. But anyway. Got it. Well, what are, what are your thoughts on the whole, um, you know, some women 
advise other women. And I'd love to hear women advising other women on how to find a man. Um, so that I have two questions. The first one is a lot of times you'll hear women tell other women, find a man that loves you more. What do you think about that? Studies back it up. <laughs> really? Okay. Tell, tell the me, other tell side me. of the grass is always greener. Studies find if the woman is more attractive than the marriage, she is much more likely to make it. It's a crazy stat. But okay, so so I'm right to to run the opposite direction if I'm the more attractive person in the scenario. To the extent that you could be happy, you, you, you know. Of course. Yeah. I mean, we all have to at the end of the day have a basic, very strong attraction to the. <laughs> But we have to perhaps be open on what we're attracted to. I mean, there are some people, their personalities, their attitude just are eternal. Mm -hmm. You know, their ability to always take the high road or to be classy, to be dignified. And those traits probably deserve, you know, uh, more than they get. I know I had a friend in college. He was not, and this sounds vain on my part, but he was not a great looking man. But the way he carries himself, he always got his pick. You know, he was very elegantly dressed. He was a stately man. He always took the high road and he had just a dignity about him. Yeah, I just, love that. I love that, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's just being flexible. It's saying, hey, you know, can I be happy with you? Do I like how you make me feel? Boy, we always talk about timing, but we don't always look at trajectory. Can I like, do I like the way you make me feel and how you impact me over my lifetime is different than timing. It's trajectory because any two people could be in the same place at the same time. But how do you impact my traje trajectory over my life? And that might be a more compelling thing when you think of it. Mm, got it. Okay. So in other words, if for women to be happy, it sounds like, or for the likelihood of being happier, we should find a scenario where we are the one that is more admired in the, in the equation. I think I would say statistics definitely bear that out. But a lot of this is applicable to men too, in terms of finding someone who's a friend and looking at how they impact them over life. Because we always talk about Michelle Obama and boy, she's got it all, all da 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 da, but Barack Obama was not maybe the first choice a lot of women would have made in her position. I mm -hmm. mean, she dwarfed his income. They didn't make money for years. And, you know, in their first date, he had a car where you could see through the floor. You, you, I, I read the book, yes. Uh -huh. yeah, so she, he wasn't, she compromised on some things, but she liked how he impacted her life. She liked how she, he pulled her away from the corporate world and made her think about being a better servant. And yeah. that just became more important to her. So that's what I talk about when I talk about trajectory. Mm -hmm. Got it. And I had another question, which I, I now forgot. It was about something you had said before. Um, but okay, so what, so we have our three lists, right? So if you had to identify the three most or the three items that should be the priority on our list, if you had to identify what those three were, what would they be? I'll give you my list because some things aren't negotiable to people. Mm -hmm. Like let's say height, that may not be negotiable. Okay. Income may not be negotiable. I'll tell you the couples I couples I see that are happiest. Perfect. So the couples I see are always friends. The ones that I see are most happy have a degree of spirituality. 
you, you know, they have a spiritual connection. And it's weird. It's kind of seeming like I'm digressing, perhaps. But I get a lot of street people that are like hustlers, and they'll come and they always have like the best partners. You oh, know, the hustler. Hustler. Street like, hustler. They have the best partners in the world. Okay, and, wait. What define street hustler? Okay, I want to go there. But <laughs> I used to run a methadone clinic, so I would see like uh, heroin dealers. Okay. Or even people that are just street hustlers in terms of entrepreneurs and more legal. They have the best partners because one of the things they've learned that I think is important, they don't trust people, they trust their nature. Mm. You trust someone's nature, you know they're going to do the right thing, not because of who you are, but because of who they are. And it's just something I learned from them. And they get these very conscientious partners that they don't have to worry about. Now, the challenge is they're out doing craziness, but it doesn't mean we can't learn from them. You Got know, it. how do people treat others? You know, what do they do when things are great? What do they do when they're alone? And that character conscientiousness issue is a big predictor of success. So, and I'll give everybody an X factor because we all have our pet peeve, right? You know, whatever that may be. And, and I don't think people should compromise. Everybody can't be with a man that doesn't make under X amount of dollars. Everybody right. can't be with a man that's not attractive or too attractive because they just don't feel comfortable with that. So we all have our X factor. So those would be my list. Okay. So, but the only thing I got was spiritual. And then what were the other spiritual three? Friend. Friend. Friends. And spiritual is part of trusting their nature. Like who are they without you? Okay. Are rolled into one. And I give everybody like an X factor. And then the, the fourth one. So if we had a fourth, it'd be the X factor. It'd be the X factor, yes. Okay. All right. So um, it, basically, we need to find Jay-Z. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know he fits that quite, though, to be honest. But he's a street hustler. He seems like he cares about people. I mean, look at all those things he's done in the African-American community, right? I think Jay-Z is going to be better at finding a partner than the person who finds Jay-Z. And I'm not, it's no slight to Jay-Z. But you look at Beyonce, she's pretty scandal-free. Well, <laughs> yeah, she's scandal-free. And then I would, you know, argue she's the more attractive one in this scenario. Definitely the more so Beyonce, So Beyonce got it. And then, you, you know, she's always talking about how they're friends. Precisely. Precisely. And then they over trajectory. I think they've had an amazing impact on each other's life. So you're taking it to the next level. We could go with that. So we all need to be Beyonce and find us a Jay-Z. Right, but not Beyonce because she's a performer, not Beyonce because right. she's extraordinarily this, but she just made a good decision for her. Got it. Okay, I can get with that. So we just need to do our best to, to be the Beyonce. There we or go. I would say even the Michelle. I like Mich yeah. I mean, although I think some people might say, uh, you know, President Obama was the more attractive one in that scenario. Yeah, depending on your gender. I personally think she's more attractive, but I get you. Or your preference. You can't say gender. There you go. Depending on your preference. All right. So my last question to you is, um, it's a simple one, I hope. But um, what do you think, or on a first date, I should say, who pays? I'm old-fashioned. I'll be honest with you. I, I think he should pay if he's invited you out. You know, okay. now if you invited him out, you're going after him, perhaps that changes. But I'm, I'm just old-fashioned in that way.
but what's the psychology? What's the research say? What if the woman pays half? Like I'm, I'm looking for studies on, on you know how this impacts. But I think you make a good point. So like I've had females that have come in and asked that question. I said offer. They're like, I always offer, offer to pay. Thank you. I'm always like, should we split it? That's what I say. Should right. We should we split? And and you'll learn a lot. You know, I like if I ask a woman, I'm probably not gonna let her pay. Uh, but I've had women get probably, a probably. So what determines if she's going to split it with you? I, I, I don't know. I'd have to think about that long and hard, but I'll tell you what does happen. And this is your point that, that I think is more important here. If she offers, it does something different to a man psychologically. Thank you. Please speak on that. That's like, I want to hear the doctor's opinion on this. Psychologically, it tells me, boy, you want to get to know me too. Uh, you're willing to carry your weight. Everything won't just be on me. I probably won't let her pay. In, in that. So you find that, so you would say most men find that to be attractive? Universally. I, I've never met a man that didn't find it attractive. And it also gives you the option of, hey, you don't have nothing on me. We're getting to know each other. Mm. Once people start paying and having sex, whatever the case may be, there becomes a sense of duty, obligation, and all these other things. And maybe you don't get to know a person as well. Most men won't let you pay, I'll be honest with you. Most men what? Most men won't let you pay. Okay. So when um, when should the woman start chipping in? I think if you invite someone to something and it has a high price tag, I would say, you know what, this is on me. He still may not let you pay. Right. But I think offer and know that boy, he may let you pay. Mm -hmm. But if you want someone that you're really friends with, we do have to get past that thing because yeah. it, it's interesting so every woman on the call is going to beat me up i think we're at a real weird place in society and I, i've never been there's this gop member in mississippi that's been in the news a lot lately because he didn't let this woman travel with him mm. and she was really incensed she was a reporter and she says well it's he was dating this woman he was married and he oh, told okay. her when it was on tv he said, first of all, me and my wife made a commitment that we're not to be alone with someone of the opposite sex. She's like, well, you're just seeing me as sex and that's sexist. He says, anyone can say anything to you at this point. And he said his rule was if you are a woman reporter and you wrote with him, you needed to provide a male. She says, well, you should provide a male. He says, I only got one staffer. I said it to say we're at this weird place in society. I was uh, speaking at a Stanford alumni, not that I went to, but they had have uh, hired me out to be a speaker at one of their alumni conventions and i said the term female breadwinner and everybody looked at me like how dare you say female and i like i'm old okay old school perhaps but i didn't get it i mean I honestly i grew up it was male female there was no controversy about that i do get their point that hey female has been associated with some negative things so i'm not going to just miss it i just didn't get it in that moment Mm -hmm. And I think we're at this place in society where the rules are more confusing sometimes than helpful. Yes. You know. Okay. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, this has been a great conversation. Um, tell us again the name of your book. You've written one book? I've written one book. Okay, uh, tell us the name, where we can find it, and who you are, where we can find you on social media. I am Dr. Shane. I'm a marital psychologist. Uh, you can look me up at African American Marriage Counseling, African American Marriage Counseling. Uh, my book is The Black Manual, The Black Manual, 
Less Drama, More Love, A Single Woman's Guide to Happiness. And you can find that at Amazon. Love it. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Shane. So new episodes air every Thursday. Um, so I cannot wait to promote this episode. So many nuggets dropped today. Thank you very much. It was an honor to be here, Nadia. I really appreciate you. Thank you.